0: Welcome to the Bruin Success Podcast. My name is Kelsey Bisecker, and I serve as Associate Director of Alumni Career Engagement with the UCLA Alumni Association. And I'm here with our co-host, Sarah Mosgrove, Assistant Director of Alumni Career Engagement. This season on Bruin Success, we're featuring career changers. From studying one degree and deciding to go on another path to pivoting later in your career, we wanna normalize that change happens and chat with Bruins who've gone through it. Today's guest is Tiffany Duong. Tiffany is an ocean storyteller and explorer. Inspired by an epic scuba diving trip to the Galapagos, she left corporate law to campaign for our oceans and planet. In dense jungles, remote oceans, and the changing Arctic, she found her voice and passion for the planet, something she shares at every chance she can. Through her multidisciplined work, she champions collaborative solutions to the world's biggest problems and tells stories that move people. Tiffany holds degrees from UCLA and the University of Pennsylvania Cary Law School in international development studies and environmental law, respectively. Additionally, she's also a trained climate organizer with Al Gore's Climate Reality Project, member of the Explorers Club, and climate educator through the University of Miami Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. Welcome to the Bruin Success Podcast, Tiffany. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. So, so to start off with, tell us what you studied at UCLA and what you did leading up to this current role.
1: Okay, I was definitely a North Campus gal. I switched majors, I think, five times, all of them very much in the humanities. Um, I ended up with international development studies and a minor in Italian, and um all that to say, like, I was interested in a lot of things and I couldn't quite decide, so I I bounced around. Um, from there, I took a year off. I studied for the LSAT and I was a UCLA Law Fellow, which kind of gives you a, um, it's run through the law school and it gives you a sneak peek into lawyering because I was toying with the idea of going to law school and I ultimately did. Um I wasn't sure I wanted to be a lawyer for my whole life, but I thought, you know, these things can't hurt. And um, it ended up putting me onto like, you know, a very typical corporate conveyor belt, um, which we're going to talk about. Um, so I went to law school at Penn Law. I was on the wait list there. Then I got off. I graduated in um, from UCLA 20 2006. I graduated from law school 2010. 2010. Um, I did 88 interviews to get one job because my law school class, um, our interview session was right when Lehman Brothers crashed and that whole like recession started. Um, And I ended up getting a job in LA. So that brought me back to LA, which I was pretty stoked about um, because I'd missed it after four years of Philadelphia, snow and cold. And, And then I started my law career. And even on the first day, I I just had this sinking feeling that like, it wasn't going to work out. Like I felt like such an imposter in my pantsuit with my like empty briefcase. And I was just like, I don't think I'm going to make it a year. Um, But like, here we are. And, you know, as happens with like jobs in life, like you, you try hard, you do well, you learn, you meet some people you like. And then it was like, fast forward six years and three firms. And I was like following the same team. I was doing renewable energy law, so it wasn't like soul sucking or evil, and before I knew it, I was like, oh, is this why people have midlife crises, like, oh, these feelings, like, what are all these, like, tears and thoughts, um, then I went on a scuba diving trip just on a whim to the Galapagos, and that changed my whole life, um, yeah, it like that eventually caused me to quit law and start fresh and get really deep into everything oceans, which is where I'm at now.
2: I love that. That's actually the perfect segue into our next question, uh, which is, could you tell us a little bit about your current role?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I call myself an ocean storyteller and explorer and, um, It's a, you can kind of think of it like ocean advocacy, education, influencing. I definitely made that up, but there's like a need for stories that move people and there are a need for stories about our planet. And so I have just like found slash created this niche for myself where I get to, scuba dive and talk to people who are like you know the world's leading coral scientists or people helping veterans get back in the water to you know find a new way to to feel free in their bodies and and I tell these stories as my work and I you know and I think it's such a joy and such a privilege so for me like it feels like art instead of work. And I feel like I get to change people's ways of looking at the world or looking at themselves. And it's just the coolest thing.
0: And that's such impactful work too. And so that's such a joy to hear. Cause it's, I mean, from law to that, it's just such a major change. Um, and so you talked about a little bit about your trip to the Galapagos and kind of how that was the trigger so what was the motivation on that trip and then to come back and be like i need to make this change
1: well that trip wasn't meant to be life-changing it was just meant to be a good time and um i remember i i signed up because i was really frustrated because i was you know the last one in the office 3 a.m doing some crazy deal and i was just like this is stupid I'm going to do something fun. And I saw an email in my inbox saying, oh, come see the Galapagos, you know, SEA. And I was like, haha, clever. Okay, fine. I'll do it. And I signed up. And so I, I was just there to, you know, dive and have a good time. And when I got there, just something shifted in me. Like there, the first night, it's it's the furthest I had ever been, like remote there was no cell signal. It was like the really remote islands, um, you know, like where Darwin studied the tortoises and stuff like really wild. And there were these like pink skies over these huge cliffs and these birds that I swear, like my mind was like, they're like pterodactyls. Like this is so prehistoric. I was just having my moment with nature and, um, the first night I remember the boat was cruising and there was bioluminescence in the water and there were dolphins jumping into it, like causing the glow. And then there were like more stars that you could ever imagine up. And I was like, stars above, stars below. And mine was just like on hyperdrive and I was sobbing. And I was like, I feel so alive and so connected to myself and the planet in this moment in a way that I'd forgotten, you know, in the, if you count law school and law practice, it'd been a decade. And I, I'd forgotten that I could feel that way, you know, and, and it was such a wake up call. Um, And so I like just kind of sat with that in a lot of tears and a lot of journaling on that trip. And just was like, okay, like, I didn't know I was that unhappy. And now that now that we know, you know, now that we're feeling all the feelings and, um, you know, diving and just, remembering how to have fun. What do we do with that? And so I, 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 toyed with the idea of not getting back on the plane and just like signing up for another week. Cause I was so taken by the experience, but I like, I was like, okay, we're we're not there yet. We're not that wild and crazy yet. So I got back on the plane and when I landed at LAX, I like stayed in my seat, seat belted. And I remember thinking to myself, like, all right, we're only getting off the plane. If we like promise nothing's going to be the same. And I like vowed to myself that I was going to do things differently, um, to save some of that feeling so that it wouldn't have just been this like one weird blip in my life. And so after that, I, um, made the plan and quit my job within the month, um, decided to move to Rio de Janeiro and the, uh, the Amazon rainforest, um, decided to sell my house and just like shift like free myself of all these like trappings and corporate and normal life stuff so that I could explore
2: wow, that's an amazing story. um I'm like right there with you on the island with the the pink skies and the pterodactyl like birds um just that sounds like a really beautiful moment to have um that provoked a lot of self discovery and thought and exploration uh you're Definitely one of the bigger career pivots that we've spoken to. And um, that sounds more like a life shift rather than a career shift. Uh, So could you talk to us about some of the mindset changes that you had to make in order to make this big life change? When you got back to LA, you talked a little bit about what was running through your head on the plane. What happened in that month that you were back and you said, okay, I'm doing this thing.
1: Sure. Um, I mean, it definitely was like, not just like quitting a job. I, I say I quit my whole self, um, all the time and like, it really like was, um, so I made my, I I listened to a ton of podcasts. I read things. I hired, uh, I hired a life coach, which I would highly recommend for anyone, you know, kind of lost. And you like, I've had, I think like five because different stages in life need different kinds of coaches with different expertise. Um, And I I was just like consuming all these things about like, okay, like other people who shift and other people who do to give myself a data set of of things that did because no one in my life did that kind of stuff. You know, no one like was like, okay, let's move to the Amazon because we want to. Um, So I was feeding myself all this like new knowledge and, and new inputs and building this like community around me of people who had done cool things and thought differently Um, so my favorite lessons from them, mindset shifts was like, the first was like, it's okay to not have all the answers. Like you don't have to have your whole life mapped out. It's probably not going to be the right map. If you, from where you are, when you need to quit, if you are like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this job, then this job, then this job, and I'm out and I'm different. You're probably not giving yourself enough space and time to breathe and explore. Um, so one of my first coaches just taught me like. Just look for the next best step. You don't have to have everything mapped and and you you shouldn't, you know, just find the next thing that feels good. And the important thing for me about that was getting myself out of the inertia of being stuck. You know, I knew I'd been stuck for five years in in law firms and I just needed to get out. I couldn't think beyond that emotionally, logically, physically, anything. So just the next step was getting out. Um a really big one for me especially as a like a child of immigrants um was like to stop worrying about what other people think um you know especially if you quit without a plan it's really easy for people to be like well what's next how are you going to make money you know like and it's well meaning but it sucks to hear you know because you're already beating yourself down with all those and um i gave myself the grace of telling them i'm still figuring it out um you know it was still hard And I had to teach myself that I would rather let, if it really came to it, them down than myself. Um, There was a drawing that I put over my desk during that time. It's by one of my favorite artists. Her name's Mari Andrew. And the text on it says, the people worth impressing. And then there's two pictures. And it's your five-year-old self and your 85-year-old self. You know, and I was just like, oh, like. What dreams did I have as a child that I can like try to honor now? And like, what would make me feel when I'm 85, like I had lived my most badass life and like, I let those be my barometers. And then that's, I mean, that's kind of what led me to the Amazon and then the oceans and, and my life now.
0: I love that. And I really like what you said for like those takeaways. It's okay to not have all the answers. Sometimes you feel like you have to, and it's a good reminder to help you get out of that, feeling stuck. I mean, we've all kind of felt that before, and that overwhelming feeling of what do I do? So that next best step is also so important because you don't have to have it all figured out. You're allowed to still figure it out. And so I think that's such an important reminder because we all have that feeling sometimes, but it's okay to not have all the answers and just kind of figure it out along the way. So I love that. Um, it's really important to remember. Um, so, Making that change can be really scary, especially with all the unknowns, and there's a lot to think about. Uh, so, what were some of those final considerations you made before you took that big leap?
1: Sure. Um, I mean the typical ones, you know, like money to live, um, budgeting for things like traveling. You know, if I wanted to take new classes, food. Um, I so I owned my house at the time in LA, and I decided to sell it so that there was nothing tying me down to LA and more importantly, not a mortgage. Um, when like my budget didn't meet what I wanted to do. Um, like I really wanted to dance in the carnival at, in Rio because I was like, when am I going to have that chance? And you know, those costumes cost a lot. So I was like, okay, what can I do? So I took, you know, odd jobs, um, borrowed money. I asked my aunt if I could move in with her for a little bit. I did whatever it took. And that was a nice, ego check. Um, especially like at that time I was in my early thirties and, you know, you want, especially if you're in a corporate job, it's really easy to think like, Oh, like march along the path and like, get, get, you know, rent a nice house, get nice furniture, nest, whatever. Um, and like get your life together. But I realized in that sector of time, my priority wasn't looking like I had my life together anymore. It was figuring out what I wanted my life to feel like. And so I, forced myself to, you know, like ratchet down my lifestyle and um, do whatever it took to to give myself that freedom. Um, I sold and gave away a lot of stuff so I could be more minimal. Um, I gave myself the, the option to not talk about what I was doing with people who asked just to um, give myself that emotional space to try. To figure it out. Um, and like I said, I, I use trusted resources like like coaches or courses and journaling.
2: I love the layer of practicality that you have when you are talking about the considerations that you made. Um, a lot of the time, I think we hear these stories of people who do make these big life changes and we don't really get into like the nitty gritty of what that actually took. It's more just the the superficial, like, I was a lawyer and now I'm living my dream and everyone looks at that and goes, that's so cool, so exciting, but they don't really see all of the hard work and time and self-discovery that took in order to make that change. could you uh, tell us some of the strategies you used um, to help you get there? And then um, for our listeners that are maybe thinking about making that leap as well, and they're maybe like, ah, like she makes it sound so great, but I don't know if I'm ready. Um, what are some of those strategies that you would suggest for those individuals? For sure. I think we have to talk about the hard parts because it's not
1: like my life is awesome, but it's not all easy. Um, I work, I probably work more now than I did as a lawyer for a lot less money, but like, I am happy every day, like every day I feel stoked. Um, so yeah, I would love to share those strategies. Um, first, like, don't take it so seriously, even though I know it feels serious to change your whole life. Like you're like, I kept reminding myself, like I'm making a shift because the typical serious approach didn't work out. Like I thought it was going to, you know, so I really, it sounds so like wellness, corny almost, but like, pay attention to what lights you up, right? Like what makes you joyful, what feels like play. For me at that time, the only thing that felt like play was being in the ocean. And so I was like, you know, being outside. So I was like, okay, follow that, you know? Um, And like that, I went to the Amazon because I wanted to try field work. I was toying with the idea of going back to school to be a doctor. Uh, I'm a marine biologist, that marine biologist. (laughs) Um, and so I tried field work and I'm so glad I did because within two weeks I was like, whoa, I can only handle about two weeks of field work. Like I need like a bathroom and shower. And I didn't waste years of my life, like taking science prereqs. Cause remember I was a humanities girl. Um, and you know, going and studying and all this just to realize I had made myself another career I didn't want. So like, don't take it too seriously. Just like be curious, you know, to just If something seems cool, ask people about it. Try it out. Um, This approach is something I like to call like data points. Um, I actually got this from a different podcast uh, that I had listened to right before quitting, and it's something I really believe in for anytime you're making big shifts in your life. Basically, the idea is don't commit to anything until you try enough things to really understand what works. Right, so the podcast told us to keep a spreadsheet of 50 dates you go on before you even dare to like commit to someone because you need to realize, you know, Oh, this type of person really doesn't work for me or, Oh, I like that quality that that makes me happy in the same way. It works with a job. It works with hobbies. It works with where you want to live, like get data points. I think we're so eager to be settled and have routines start that we are like oh i'm trying this new job and i'm really excited and i think it's going to work out and it's like how do you know that you know like what do you know about the job other than it sounded cool and they let you come on you know like don't be so eager to be settled that you don't analyze what works so i um i took the approach towards my career the same way you would like if you were looking for the kind a kind of shirt that fits you well at the store. Like if you've never tried on a shirt before in in some style, you have to try it on to see if it works. And if it doesn't fit, like you're not a bad human. It's just the wrong shirt for you, right? But with careers, we're like, oh gosh, what's wrong with me? Like I didn't like it or they didn't like me. No, it's like, it just wasn't the right fit. So I made myself um, commit to 50 data points of new careers and new, new ways of thinking about my career. Um, before I even decided to make any like permanent choice. And that could have been an internship that could have been reading a book, listening to a podcast. I just needed input. And so I was like, you cannot make a, a serious decision about your life until you learn what you need. So I did that. I still keep that, that data sheet now um, just because it's been so instructive. And it's not just like, okay, number one, tried this. I parsed it out with like, what did you learn? What did you not like? What's the takeaway? And it helps me kind of see where I'm trending in my life. Um, you know, like so going to the Amazon for this one month thing was was one of my data points, in it and my takeaway was, don't become a biologist. You won't like it. Um, you know, And the other really great thing that that approach kind of did was, It takes the pressure off of failures or rejections, so-called failures and rejections, because they're really just opportunities to learn. You know, when I applied for things and I told myself this is just a data point, I can learn from it. Like if I didn't get it, it stung less because I was like, okay, you know, like and then I saw like if I still wanted it, maybe I need to apply again. But that I didn't get stuck on that one application being a dream job or whatever. I was like, okay that shows I really want it. Or if it, I didn't get it and I was like, ah, okay. Then it's like, oh, maybe I didn't want it as much as I needed. Um, so it just really helped retool that even further. Uh, and then the last thing I did more when I was more comfortable with rejections was I joined this Facebook group called rejection 100. And the goal of it is to get get a hundred rejections in a year it could be anything you think of so it's like housing rejection jobs guys whatever whatever you count as a rejection it's to accumulate rejections and in this group if you get a rejection you share it and everyone is like oh my god like if you're like i got rejected from this magazine everyone's like you are such a badass oh my god you are my hero how did you do that and if you get accepted somewhere and you share it people are like you got to try harder next time. All right. Just like keep your nose in the books. And it flips your brain about rejection and failure. Cause you're like, Oh my God, I can share this in the group. And I really want to get to a hundred, you know, and the real mindset hack is if you got a hundred rejections, you're putting yourself out there enough where something's going to hit. And so it's been really fun to play in that way with the idea of like, you know, get putting myself out there and trying new things. So those things in that order have really helped me, you know, approach my career with more, more joy and more grace and more fun.
0: I love that so much, especially when you said create a spreadsheet. I am a spreadsheet girl. I love my data points. That is like that hit my brain, and I'm like, wow, that is, <laughs> that is what I need in my life. <laughs> it's true. It's it's so easy to journaling and things like that. You can take accountability, but to see it's See it visually is very powerful too, and so I, I love that. I I wrote that down. I was like, hmm, I need to create a spreadsheet.
2: <laughs> and I, I'm getting ready to to I'm getting ready to hop on to the rejection 100 group. I, yeah. I, I love that concept. It's um great, so right? Yeah, it it reminds me of um something that my mom always tells me, which is it doesn't hurt to ask. The worst they can say is no. No.
0: Yeah. No. So scared, but it's like, come on. Just- Yeah, everyone is so scared of failure. And I love how you said so-called failures, right? Mm -hmm. It goes back to a little bit of what we've talked about on the podcast previously before of it's okay to not know what you like, but it's also just as powerful to know what you don't like. So you, you you don't want to be a marine biologist. That's great. That's one thing you can check off your list of what you don't want to be. And so like myself, a lot of time and money, like, (laughs) thank you rejection. Like that was awesome. And so it's, it's just as powerful to know that. And I think that's still so important to remember of it's not a failure, right? And it's, I'm a firm believer of everything happens for a reason. And so that rejection is telling you that wasn't the right path for whatever reason, the universe is telling you that wasn't the right path. Maybe there's something else coming along. So I love that shift. That was, I wrote all those down. (laughs) so now that you've been firmly in your new role what brings you joy now to make you realize that it was the right choice after all I mean it
1: feels the same as play like like work and play feel the same and like that doesn't mean I don't take it um like I don't work with integrity and I don't take it like seriously as what I'm producing but like I show up on a dive boat to cover a story the same way i would to dive for fun and like you know it's it's the same people that i'm working with that i get to share their incredible work or just go have a fun dive and um that's really fun to me and that that for me it shows that i'm living in alignment um i also don't have two personalities anymore like i used to have like work tiffany and home tiff you know I, i was like tiffany and tiff and like that just doesn't exist um in my life anymore I am so in tune with like what I like and I'm I have the like great opportunity to live like that most days that I've like killed off the idea of work tiff like I'm just fully me all the time which is super cool and then the stories that I get to tell like I think it's a privilege to tell I it's not like work and like a lot of them make me cry you know they touch me really deeply and it's like such a privilege to get to tell these stories especially ones that mean something to the people I'm writing for um and that's not just the audience like also the subject i like it just i don't know it doesn't feel like work and um and then i've just discovered how much i love words like i am obsessed with them in a way that's totally not normal and thank you pandemic for giving me all these online classes about writing for me to discover that uh it just like I don't know, words and water, put them together and I'm like stoked
2: all
0: the time. I love that. Words and
2: water. <laughs> I was just going to say words and water sounds, I don't know, very, very lyrical right there yeah. already. We can tell you're a writer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. We're, as we're uh, getting to the end of our time here, we have a few more questions for you. Um, so hindsight is always twenty twenty. So thinking back, would you do anything differently with your journey with what you know now?
1: I would take more writing classes at UCLA because there were such great like opportunities there. And I was just like, oh, you know, fulfilled my requirement, no more classes. But in retrospect, knowing how much I love them, I would take more, maybe some sociology classes because I need more North Campus stuff. Um, I'd start diving sooner. Uh, But importantly, I don't know if I would not do law because it did give me like a lot of really great tools and a strong command of language. And, you know, like processing abilities. Um, and you know, just like you, Kelsey, like I really believe that everything happens for a reason. And you know, those experiences led me to like how grateful I am now.
0: I love that. And I do have a, a bonus question. Cause I'm really curious. What's one of your favorite dives that you've done or one of your favorite trips? Um, so
1: the Galapagos will always have my heart just because it saved me. Um, it's like sparkly in my brain, I recently just went on a, it wasn't even diving. It was a snorkel trip to the Arctic Circle to Norway to snorkel with orcas and humpbacks. And that honestly blew my mind. It was so cool to be, you know, like within 10 feet of like orcas and have them look at you in the eyeball and like turn their head when you turn your head and just be like, Hey, like, what are you floaty human? It was like the best. I just came back from that in November and I'm still like on an arctic high
2: that sounds amazing wow i bet that's up amazing. close to like there i think we have an idea of what a whale is like or are like <laughs> oh it's really big and they show you in school textbooks in relation to like a bus or something just how big it is but seeing one in the wild like even a horse seems big to me
0: <laughs> oh yeah i just recently went snorkeling with sea turtles and i thought those were big so i can't even <laughs> imagine with a whale <laughs> that's so cool yeah. No,
1: it, I highly recommend it. You don't have to be a diver. You could just be a floater. It's awesome.
0: I love that. Well, so to end today, we do have some fun rapid fire questions. Um, so what is a piece of media that you recently consumed? Be it a book, an article, a podcast or TV show, et cetera. Um,
1: not one of those, but two Instagram channels that I am loving um, are, one is called Inspired to Write. And the other one is words are vibrations, not coincidentally. They're about like writing and, you know, creating in words, but they talk about like living creative lives and honoring creative desires and, you know, making messy art that isn't perfect and allowing yourself to put that out. And so I just am loving everything they have to say. Um, They also make podcasts. Both of those artists make podcasts, but I, I consume through their Instagram channel.
2: You sound like a very, driven, constantly developing person. Um, What do you do to take care of yourself? What do you do for self-care?
1: My So I live in the Florida Keys, um, which is like dive capital. So like I go diving when I can, but when I don't, um, and actually more often I do aerial beach yoga, which um, you like hang in this like, of hammock swing thing upside down and like i swear like you rediscover like muscles and stretches where you're like i didn't know there was something there in my body but it feels so good after and it's on like this private beach with like you know the ocean breeze while you do yoga so it's the best um and then i also try to catch the sunrise whenever i can yeah just to like watch it for a moment and feel fulfilled
0: I love that. I've always wanted to try and do the aerial yoga. I just feel like I'm going to be really bad at it. Like, I feel like I'm just going to fall on my face. It's just, I, it's a dream of mine that I want to do it, but alone let, where no one can see me fail.
2: Let go of the fear of failure, Kelsey. That's what this podcast is all about.
0: Try it.
2: It's a data point. There you go. data point. Oh my God. I love
0: that. Final question. What's your favorite place on campus?
1: When I think of UCLA, I always think of like that very first downhill section of Bruin Walk when you're walking from the dorms into like the main part of the bowl and it was just like bustling with like people's and signs and like frat rushing and for me it's just like it captures the vibrancy of UCLA so much that only exists in like college and that you you don't get to feel again. So that's my favorite place um and I will end with like it's not a place but a thing my my absolute favorite thing was Puzzle's cheese fries. Like I cannot tell you how many times in my life does that still exist? Oh my oh heartbreak city. It was like the late night um eatery near near um Sprawl Hall and they used to make the best cheese fries and I had them three times a week. Well, ode to Puzzle's cheese fries cuz it no longer exists.
0: <laughs> well, that's really sad. That sounds phenomenal.
1: <laughs> they were amazing. <laughs>
0: but I totally feel the vibrancy that you mean. I mean, there's no, I've been working in higher ed for a while now, and there's no feeling as the vibrancy that you get being on a college campus with all of the students that are so excited to be there and just all the knowledge and everything. There's nothing like it. Yeah,
1: it's just like opportunity and, and life and fun. Like it's, it's all yours. It's so cool.
0: Amazing. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for such a great interview. We really appreciate all of your time today. Um, Your story is phenomenal and we're so excited for our listeners to hear it. Um, And to our listeners, thanks for listening and go Bruins.